Leinster have just been dominating in club rugby for so long as well mm. that people are like, okay, we have to like tear them down somehow. There's something going on here because they're just so much better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. They're trying to blame money. They're trying to blame that it's been handed to them in a silver platter. Where you mentioned it a year ago, it's, it's, it was announced to be in Dublin. It's not Leinster's fault it's on in no. Dublin. Like, do you know what I mean? It's in France here before, yeah. you know, and they, and they got beaten by a French team in France yeah. in that final. Where are all these you know? complaints when Exeter were winning a couple of years in a row? Not, yeah. I think 2019, 2020. Yeah. Sarsons were winning a couple of years yeah. in a row. Oh, we weren't complaining that, oh no, it's on over. Leinster haven't won since 2019. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome to House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland. I'm Greg O'Shea and I'm here with the lovely Lindsay and of course Jason's up from Limerick as well. How are you doing guys? Lindsay, how was your Bank Holiday weekend? Great weekend. Yeah? Rugby, cop of friends. Played Lego with my son and Easter egg hunts and all the rest. So, yeah, it was a great long weekend. Nice. Watched rugby, I hope. Oh, had a, yeah. Watched every single bit of rugby. It was yeah. an absolute cracking weekend. The Champions Cup was class, in fairness, it delivered. Didn't it, Jason? Yeah, it's a good weekend. Yeah, I was just I watched all the games, drank loads of points. So, I mean, you can't really How's get that? much better than that. Like, <laughs> Champions Cup rugby, weekend, yeah. points, good food. Great weekend. Yeah. Great weekend. It's much easier just having the four games to watch rather than the entire URC, yeah. is it? Yeah, it is. We love the URC, but like, there's just so many games every weekend. So this week, this week in the podcast, we're going to be covering the Champions Cup, the four quarterfinals that happened. We're going to look forward to the Women's Six Nations game. Uh, we're going away to Italy, and we're going to chat about the red card challenge in Super Rugby. Jason, you have a bit of knowledge around that, which I just think is bizarre. But look, <laughs> yeah. at least we're we'll rugby. Get to we're rugby are trying a few things, and we'll uh, chat about that towards the end. But the first game we want to talk about, guys, was Leinster. Again, in the Aviva Stadium, which is a talking point as well that people oh. are giving out about that Leinster just seem to be in the Aviva every single week. But they won 55-24 against Leicester Tigers, two European, like, absolute... Record. Powerhouses. Yeah, powerhouses, trying to think giants. of like Giants, like massive teams. But Leinster seemed like they, it was men against boys, wasn't it? Yeah, they, like, how good was Jimmy O'Brien? Unbelievable. How good was Jimmy, Gary Ringrose... Um, they went down to 10 or 10 men. they men. went down to 14 men with Caelan Dorosoff and they just actually kicked into life um, and scored 10 unanswered points and I just thought they were a different gravy they'd obviously looked at Leicester who I thought made some schoolboy errors for the want of a cliche expression like um, they kind of drew in like the second defender and they bit in and just created all these great laps but the pace that Leinster come at to create those overlaps and create those gaps is unbelievable. And I just thought they looked like a group of men who were really enjoying their rugby and look really confident now on the, the home spre- stretch. But now they'll come in against Toulouse, where, which we'll go into, where against they were magnifique. <laughs> they really were. They were absolutely sublime as well. But listen, hats off to Lancer and congratulations to Gary Ringrose after what we thought was going to be a long-term injury has come back and yeah. he's as good as ever, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. It was such an impressive win. Like, I mean, this is a Leicester Tiger side that has the likes of Andrea Pollard, Jasper Visa, Anthony Watson, uh, Julio Montoya. Like, real high-level, world-class players. A good side. They're the reigning English champions. You know, I know there's a bit of disruption there at the moment. They have lost boat wrecking a lot of their coaches with England. But, like, still a very, very tough side to play. It was never going to be easy. And they did it. Like, they, they made it look easy. You know, I mean, 55-24 final scoreline and could have been more, to be honest with you. you oh, know, 100%. That was, that was like nowhere near a perfect performance in Leinster. And yet no. they, they, they literally walked past English champions like with mm. ease, like into the semi-final. Yeah, well, they started really well, as you mentioned, Lindsay. Gary Ringrose just came flying out of the blocks. He had two tries within 15 minutes. His first one was after a minute. Yeah. This lad, like he, two weeks off and he just comes straight back in like nothing had ever happened. So he's playing unbelievable rugby. You said off air there, Jason, that he's just playing on a different level Absolutely. at 13. 
in the back line. He's just uh, arguably the best. If there was a line store this summer, like he'd be the first choice, I think, in the centre. He's but playing that well. Yeah. Um, and then Jimmy obviously had a great game. But then it was still kind of close starting the second half before Caelan Darris got that yellow card and it was like, oh, could Leicester fight back here? And then the yellow card seemed to spur them on. They played even better with 14 men. They actually won that period of 14 against 15, 10 nil. And yeah, and they got us... Um they got a scrum penalty and I know Pat obviously had put it in about was it illegal. The only part I actually saw that I thought was illegal was Jack Conan stood up. Mm. And and the rule is your back row have to stay bound on their shoulder to your lock. So I did think that I was surprised that didn't get penalised. But it was what I was very impressed with would actually Leinster with seven men lost the hit. So that's very hard to come back with because if you think of if you got a punch in the face you're on the back foot already. And then what they did do, though, seven against, you know, they had to obviously drop a man. They waited on the Leicester put-in, which is really when your scrum is weak. So if you notice, just when the cuss was the ball comes in, they absolutely attacked the Leicester scrum. So they won it as regards the dominance. So they were called for a collapse in the scrum. But yeah, Conan was the only issue I found with that. And I would mm-hmm. question the legality of it. However, you see Ross Maloney straight away. He goes to Ross Burnley, so it takes three points. Yeah. Because psychologically, not only did they win a penalty, but then to to go down and, and lose three points. And I thought just little key moments with that were, you know, they were just defining moments where they chipped away at Leinster. So psychologically, Leicester think, oh, we're down. We have an extra yeah. man. Um, actually, they'd gotten a mall turnover just before that. So that's what led to the scrum. So all these moments where Leicester probably thought, oh, yeah, we're back in the game. Mm. And Leinster just goes, nah, slapped in the face. Sorry, wake yeah. up here, back in the game here. Do you know? So I just saw just their game management and how they stuck with it and decisions like that. Ross Maloney's not even in a captaincy role, but he's just someone who's been so consistent throughout the yeah. season. Yeah. He showed his experience and he just went, no, didn't even wait for you know conversation to start he's just like takes three points and I just thought they were excellent in that um, and I have stats here for, for Jimmy O'Brien he's just unbelievable on the night and for a man who was in and out and then gone to camp and to come in and take his opportunity he just and to score was trying he just mm. got up and he celebrated I just thought yeah, he was yeah. brilliant so I wanted to give him a huge, huge shout out because it's not easy to be on the sideline no. waiting for that opportunity but he just came in and I he'd be hard now not to pick well, hit us with a few stats there hold on now and get this open uh, he had five tackles, ten carries, 159 meters gained, and one try. And obviously, then a couple of assists there for uh, Gary Ringrose's try, if not more than that. So mm. not too bad. No, not <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Leinster seemed to be getting a lot of purchase off that hard line and out the back, and Leicester mm. were just like so porous. Their defensive line could not deal with it, which I'm surprised with, with Leicester with how big they are. As a, as a team and who's, who's behind him Wigglesworth is their coach yeah. that they wouldn't have figured that out and but that's what Leinster have been doing all season and obviously it's easier said than done to yeah. defend it but they were finding gaps like without even being touched Gary Ringrose went through two or three times Jimmy went through two or three times and they were just kept doing the same thing and getting so much purchase so you're looking forward now for Toulouse coming to Dublin mm. in the three weeks you think they're going to be have that like down path they'll mm. d- DuPont will be all over that with, with uh, his back line and surely Lynch won't be getting as much purchase or do you think that's just an unbeatable it's, 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 As you said, it's easier said than done. Like, I mean, look, we've been watching Johnny Sexton doing that loop for the last 10 years and it still keeps coming off. Mm-hmm. It's just, they do it with such intent and such purpose that it's, it's, it's executed almost perfect every time. Mm. And when it says you're perfect, like no matter how well drilled you are and how well you set up in defence, to defend it when you've got these like massive like 16 17 stone uh international players were coming at you full pace at at, at the speed they do it because it's so fluid that's the difference when you see what leinster sometimes you don't even realize that they're doing a move because mm-hmm. yeah. it's so fluid 
Whereas, like, you know the way yourself, you, especially you kind of see it at lower level rugby or even teams that aren't performing well, you can read that move. You're sitting at home watching it going, we know exactly what's happening here. And you can read them, read them in the fence every time. It's very hard to read Leinster, even if you know what they're doing, because it's just every time. And the man who's on the ball keeps two eyes if you watch, ring rolls if you watch, even uh, Harry Byrne on his inside ball. Yeah. His eyes are always locked on the defender. Yeah. So the defender's like staring at him going, oh God, what's he going to do? And There's always an option B. Always an option yeah. B. There's always at least minimum two options for Leinster. So through the front door mm. and a gap, or if someone bites in, it's coming out the back. And every man knows his role. And I just mm. think it's sublime. But if I was actually going to target Leinster, I'd target the breakdown and I'd target their set piece because they're, like it was like training, uh, wasn't it? Like a training yeah. day move. Like so, your scrum was so solid, their line out was so solid, and I'd be attacking actually the source. Not really. Yeah. It's very hard to defend any team coming at you in that pace. Yeah. So if anyone's gonna, and that's where I think the matchup with Toulouse and Leinster, I don't know how they're gonna match up because if you look at Ramos, uh, Hugo Keenan, if you look at Dupont and Jameson Gibson, it's Ireland, are, France all over again, essentially, isn't it? Like, isn't it? And you're Basically, like, wow. it's like Ireland, France, pick two point five. You know mm. what I mean? Like yeah. So. Are we going to have more of a kicking game? Um, like I thought Toulouse were exceptional as, when they turned over ball, but when they went kind of toe-to-toe in the physicality against the Sharks, they didn't really get much return on it. Whereas I don't, I think Leinster are well able to front up on the physicality like they were able to match Visa. Obviously, Ken Doris, unfortunately, with the yellow mm. card, but if you had got a little bit lower, that would have been a nice two-man tackle. Do you know? Mm. So I think they're just a bit more equipped going forward then. Yeah. The key is just to shut down Dupont. Like I mean, we you notice that like we kind of said that in that French game in Ireland that Dupont had one of his quieter games. But if you kind of look back and watch that game, it wasn't that he had a quiet game. It's that Ireland shut him down and mm-hmm. kept him quiet. And I know it's once again easier said than done, but that is something where you saw him there. He broke a record over the weekend. Yeah. Five assists. No one has ever done that in the history of the Champions Cup or the Challenge Cup. Five assists in one game. So like he is starting to motor now because as I said. He had a slow start to the Six Nations. He started motoring towards the end, ended up getting Six Nations player of the championship. He's coming in now. He's back to peak Dupont yep. and peak Dupont. And then Entomac then towards the end, you saw the choice he scored. He's peaking now again as well. So shutting them down and keeping them like, it's not, it's not going to be an easy game for us. But do you think Toulouse are at a high enough level now to come to Dublin and beat Leinster? I think they're, they're, they're good enough. 100% good enough. Now, yeah. will, they, will they do it? I would still be confident that Leinster will do it because of that Dublin factor. But I... They're more than capable of doing it. Yeah, I think if we, I think it'll be injuries for both sides and, and availability for a depth of squad. Yeah. Um, but I think Leinster are just slightly over. And actually, if you get, if anyone gets a chance to look at Dupont's heat map on the, the Heineken Cup, <laughs> it is ridiculous. It's nearly like there's only a very sh- small corner of pitch that isn't covered. Isn't there? No. And this it's, new thing he's doing as well, where he's kicking off his bad leg more than he's kicking off his good leg, and his bad leg is better than like most international lines' good legs. He yes. gets yeah. in the better. He's kicking like into the corners and his, off his left, and you're like, oh, just stop now and give everyone else a chance for a while. Yeah, you know? he can do it all, and he seems to be ever on the pitch. When someone makes a break, he's always on the shoulder. Then he's just so nonchalant about it. He just moves it on. Sometimes he's doing like a basketball pass. Have you noticed that? I'm well, like, not this guy is taking uh, the piss. Yeah, like, he was to Ramos. Yeah. Like, I was like, do you know what? And he came through an understage, and he could have scored. He goes. Ah, you can have it and he just strolls yeah. in like it's just so chill yeah. so I'd love to actually meet him and see if he is that chill in person or like talk to some of his teammates mm. because he is the captain which means captains have to speak yeah. is he fiery or is he just always that lead chill lead by example I'd say he's the kind of guy that could lead by example he doesn't have to say an awful lot yeah. he just comes out like as in you know in France like the nine is le, le general it's so mm. important like you just go out you do your thing mm. you're the boss it's like you're, 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 you're general like, that's he doesn't his nickname have to say actually much. isn't it yeah, so yeah, Le yeah. General is kind of a French thing. Le, anyway, Le General Petit, I think. Le General Petit is the yeah, yeah. thing, but 
I don't think so. I mean, like, I think in every sport, right, like, you'll always have a world-class player and then there's these guys that go even above world-class. Mm. Like, you, like in, in the soccer, like, you'd, like yeah. you'd have world-class players and then you've got Messi. And he's just in this other planet. Like, that's, it's, it's an extra border that doesn't exist. He's mm. in that category, I think, in yeah. rugby. And actually, it was the commentary who said that his, his running lines, his, his running lines, support lines, so running off someone who has the ball, is actually like an open side. Do you know, he's like mm. a number seven, a world-class number seven. <laughs> and this is your nine. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's, he's not, so strong. Like, he's so strong. He's ridiculous. He's a monster. But he's just reading the game. He knows where the ball's going to be and he's just turning up every single time. Like, to get five assists and he took the record off our very own Darren Cave. Yeah, that's, yeah no, four, that's an interesting uh, one. Which is hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I was surprised and not surprised. Sorry, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I still just can't see how they're going to uh, pick apart Leinster in the Aviva Stadium because I just can't see any faults in the Leinster squad across the whole team. And anyway, the only thing you were saying there, Lindsay, is maybe a couple of injuries. But they, say, they like the only big injury is, is Sexton. They don't even seem to need him because Ross Byrne is flying it. They have a lot of um, captaincy, like in James Ryan. He's doing very well. They have Ross Maloney supporting him as well. So they could probably get to the, that trophy and, and lift it without Johnny. No, think? 100%. And I think, to be honest, um, we need that turning point yeah. without you know, offence to Johnny Sexton. I think just take the pressure off and it just needs to be that turning point now for, for Ross Byrne. Mm. Now, the only mistake he had was he, he was trying to be a bit fancy with his offload and he got a turnover to Harry Potter who, who scored a try. But um, mm. yeah, other than that, I thought he was he was exceptional and he's building in confidence week in, week out. His kicking is good, his, his conversion rate. Like, and now that leadership because he's other leaders around him, you know, that takes the pressure off him to just ease his way into that. So, mm. and I think... He's of any leader is when you've other leaders around you like mm. to take that pressure off. So no, I think you're right. I can't see Leinster being beaten for the home factor. The only thing that would go against is if it's a wet day, but I don't think that suits yeah. Lewis either. Well, the one point of weakness, which probably isn't a point of weakness, is that number seven jersey. They got Caelan Doris to uh, wear for the weekend, who was a sensational player and he played really well as well. Got a yellow card for a high tackle. Um, but do you think? If Josh Van der isn't back, that that's going to be a point of weakness for them, or it's just. No, I'd put uh, Doris back to six. Actually, I yeah. think that was the first time Doris played seven in his Ever, professional yeah. career. He only played there for what? <laughs> he only got like twenty minutes because uh, Bard got injured, yeah. came off, and he went straight back to six, and then Scott Penny came on. Yeah. And then, sorry, can I just point out Scott Penny's uh, fend on Van Portfeet for that try? Yes, he really flattened him. Like Van Portfeet had a poor game, like a really poor mm. game, and he had a poor Six Nations. I can't understand how he's in that Six Nations work. He was so bad for them. And then at the end, then he just got absolutely flattened. I mean, why was him like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go wouldn't near social off, media for yeah. a week and I just <laughs> locked myself into a room after that match. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Jack. <laughs> nah, fair enough, you're right. But Ryan Baird, Leinster said that he's out for a few weeks, so he'll probably miss that. Um, no, Sean O'Brien said this morning, I was scrolling to social media and it uh, looks like whether he's just covering it, he said it's not as bad as I expect and they okay. actually hope to have him back for oh. the semi-final. Okay, nice. So we wish him a speedy recovery. It's not Jesus' shoulder injuries, no matter how small or big they are, they're, they're sore. So he obviously looked in a lot of pain, but you know, we wish him so a speedy recovery. So if he's fit so, would you put him six, then put Doris in at seven and Conan at eight? Or would you just leave him on the bench or something or put him back in the second row and then put um, Penny in at seven? Because Penny has played well every time he's come in. Yeah, do you know? Well, Penny's like, what more can he do? He scored he's a try off the mall. Then he's like, he's bashing Leicester players like yeah. they're small children, and he's just like, what more do I have to do to get in here? But 
no, I think I'd probably leave him come off the bench as an impact. I think yeah. Scott Penny right now is a bigger impact. I think Doris has seven, even if he if you'd played the eighty like Doris can put I'd Doris can put Doris in a full back you can't just play him anywhere. Like, so I don't think I don't think it would make much of a difference. So I think I know we didn't get to see much of him at seven, but I think he would have done a fine job and would the same thing like in the same point. If he yeah. had to go in at seven, Doris would be the same Doris it'd be a monster at seven so it doesn't make yeah. a difference yeah. I think ideally though I'd throw him six Van Fleur at seven and then him Conan yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it's the one that's the only one I think that might not be back like, yeah. it looks like if there's anyone that won't be back it'd be Van der Fleer, it looks like so then we'll throw mm. yeah we'll throw Doris there we'll a couple more weeks throw Doris yeah, just, in there just throw the best number eight in the world just throw Doris in there just I wish Munster had that problem well you don't I wish Munster had that problem just throw Doris in there there's a couple more weeks left so Van der Fleer might be back but we'll see what happens yeah. there's unbelievable choices there so it doesn't really matter what would you do Greg because we feel like we're giving our opinion you no no that. I agree with exactly what you said there Yeah, it doesn't matter they're yeah. all Newtons they're all so they're good all it doesn't make a difference yeah, any back row combination from Leinster is better than the start back row for nearly every team in the championship well this is the thing you know? Know? and we can appreciate that as <laughs> Munster supporters we can appreciate how good they are but some people are getting bitter with Leinster's performances oh, and how successful they are there's a lot of people coming out complaining Different people, like for instance, Brian Moore um, was saying that Leinster's route to the Champions Cup final has been handed to them on a silver platter. Wigglesworth, who coaches Leicester, came yeah. out and said, I don't want to blame, basically said, I don't want to blame the money and the budget, but Leinster have a bigger budget than Leicester's. Basically, <laughs> I don't want to blame it, but I'm blaming it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you can't just like caveat it and, and say it anyway. Um, so I don't know what you think of all this, Lindsay, as a Leinster lady. Do you think it is unfair, Leinster's budget? But I just before you answer, I just want to say I think ninety nine percent of the Leinster squad is from Leinster, yeah, from the came academy, up to yeah. the academy yeah, yeah. and they're all Irish lads. Maybe James O, Gibson Park, Maji- the majority, like more than are, any other team in the competition, are, they've got home yeah. players more like by by a distance. So I don't yeah, see where they're getting it from. Yeah, I find it offensive now, to be honest. Considering like, um, I think it was last week or the week before, like Leo Cullen you know, alluded to the fact that it's it's it is the academy and test oh it was Stuart Lancaster. Lancaster, yeah. Yeah. It, he said it was testament to the academy um at Leinster that they were producing these players. And I think it's really yeah, it's really petulant and, and immature to take away from a province who has really worked hard on the school system. And if you look at everyone's route there, the likes of James Ryan and Ross Maloney actually played together in Michaels. Then they went to the academy together. Now they're at Leinster and now they played at Ireland. So yeah. listen, sweetheart, our framework works. If you yeah. want to create your own, off you go. But I feel like that all was predetermined prior to Leinster Leinster just got themselves where they need to be so yeah. everything was predetermined as to the mm. route for all teams if you finished high and it's just the, what we were given but I think if we were still away we're still a team it, it takes a little bit of the advantage away but yeah. I think we've spoken week upon week upon week about the depth of Leinster and how they've created it and they're still producing this production line and I just think it's nothing to do with budgets do you know yeah. these are like if you look at some of the lads who are playing the URC they're still on academy contracts. Mm. No, there's nothing there. Do you know what I mean? Like, and a lot of our players then have come up and been rewarded for successfully for IRFU contracts, which takes away from the province. So it swings and roundabouts. And I think it's just a, like, if you look at the Arsene Wenger model that he did at Arsenal, who kept their budgets really low, Yeah, he, he just produced some really good players and invested at the academy level and brought it up. And I think for sporting organisations that are now businesses, that's the model you have to look at because there's just ridiculous amounts of money being paid. Like yeah. we spoke yeah. about it before we That's come it. on. Look, look at the Leicester. Let's so, so touch on, on Wigglesworth's point first. We look at Leicester. They've got Andre Pollard, uh, Pollard playing 10, like who's the Springboks 10, as we know. He was the highest paid old player in the year last year 
uh, at Montpellier mm-hmm. at the middle of the season. I was thinking they got him at a reduced weight because it didn't go quite well from there. So you're paying around seven, seven fifty for him. Just so, three quarters of a million. Yeah, that's all. So like the highest pay player in Ireland <laughs> is Johnny. Johnny's on around six fifty. I can tell you for for certain. Johnny was playing the weekend. Is Ross Byrne ain't on seven hundred grand a year? I can tell you <laughs> yeah. that for sure. You know, so that's who he's up against. Like Montoya, who's the 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 Argentinian hooker, one of the best hookers in the world. He's on big money. Jasper Visa, South African. He's on big money. They just signed Anthony Watson, one of the best wingers in the world. He's on big money. They're bringing all these guys in. They're spending big money on these guys. So that is absolute nonsense from Wiggins' yeah. Like, And I expect better mm-hmm. from the Jonathan. The second point to, to look at Brian Moore, this whole thing, like, and I hate, like, come here, look, I'm as monster as they get. Like, it pains me to see Lencher doing so well. It pains me to compliment them. But of course, I'm going to compliment them because um, I, I recognize their success and recognize how good a side they are. Mm-hmm. To get a home last 16 to get a home quarter final you have to perform in the pool stages which they did which they topped they were the number one seeded team it wasn't handed to them they had to win all their games win their four games now I know the current system is shite at the moment with the 212s yep. they still had to win all their games two home two away they scored what were they scoring like something they averaged eight tries a game or something <laughs> in the pool stage so you're telling me that's handed to them so yep. they worked their way like we happened us at Munster so many times in the pool stages we're like we really need to get do our best and we get a home look because like we know no matter who comes to Toma Park mm. we'll beat them because it's very like how often how many games have we lost how many quarterfinals are last 16s have we lost in Toma Park like you can count them on one hand probably two Yeah. Mm-hmm. so that's the difference like they earned us and the fact the final is on in Dublin that was announced a year ago Yeah. so just, people you know, are just getting I think people are just so bitter <laughs> without it's like Ireland are obviously dominating number one in the world one yeah. of six nations favourites for the World Cup along with a couple of other teams um, but I think Leinster have just been dominating in club rugby for so long as well mm. and people are like okay we have to like tear them down somehow there's something going on here because they're just so much better than everyone else mm-hmm. they're trying to blame money they're trying to blame that it's been handed to them in a silver platter where you mentioned it a year ago it's, it's, it was announced to be in Dublin it's not Leinster's fault it's on in no. Dublin like, do you know what I mean it's and, in France the year before yeah. you know, and, they, and they got beaten by a French team in France yeah. in that final where were all you these know? complaints when Exeter were winning a couple of years in a row not, yeah. I think 2019-2020 yeah. Saracens were winning a couple of years yeah. in a row Oh, we weren't complaining that. Oh no, it's on over. Leinster really. haven't won since 2019. Yeah. Guys. People forget that as well. Like they haven't won the last four of them. Exactly. Yeah. So what are they? What are they? Just moaning about. Like just get over yourself. I know. They're a phenomenal side at the moment. Appreciate it, and you got beaten. Enough. Yeah. And this money thing, I just don't understand where the complaints are coming from because I've I went through academy system in Ireland as well, and I played with. Jimmy, yeah. Gary, the Byrne brothers, Ross Maloney, James Ryan. I've been with them since 15, 16, 17. I've seen them coming up and there's no way, as you said, Jason, they're mm. on three quarters of a million. Like, yeah. you know, they're all, they're doing they're all right for themselves, but there's no way the budget is going into their back pockets. Like, I maybe, think the issue, sorry, go on. I'm saying, but like, what I think what's happened is that they put the money into developing grassroots around Leinster yeah, and the yeah. schools, and they've good coaches going out to the schools, which then feeds into sub academy, feeds yeah. into the academy. And this isn't like an overnight fix. This no. started years ago, and it, they're just seeing the fruits of their labour now. And Leinster are just performing yeah. at the top of the game. And 100%. I just think these lads are all just bitter. They all need to um, shut up because they're just <laughs> dig, digging a hole. But this for is coming from both English. This is the English system at the moment. They're envious, right? Because what they know is they can clearly see that our central contact system where we're directly linked with the union works incredibly well. Mm-hmm. It is the model to follow. And I think every union is realising that. But the RFU and the English Premiership don't do that. Privately owned clubs are separate. A player gets, what is it? They get like 22,000 per game. Yeah. They're not actually attracted. The, the players, the teams have to pay the players individually but they're after getting their, their budget slashed now to five five and a half million because what happened a couple of years ago they were left to whatever they want they were bringing in these semi-red rajas for a million a season and all these guys coming in Wasps are gone under 
Worcester gone under. Just talks of two or three other clubs going under because they just went down. Yeah, and, they sure. were, the they and we were all whinging and moaning because we saw. We said we saw Exeter and Saracens bringing in all these top New Zealand South African players and paying like Owen Farrell eight nine hundred grand a year so he wouldn't go off to France. French teams spending massive money like, and we didn't open our mouth. No. Do you know? And now, like, the reason this budget was put on them, because you can't manage the money yourselves and you're going to go under otherwise. Yeah. So this is why. So they're, they're giving it their... It's their own system that's holding them back because it needs to, because they need to be in control. But they're hacking out at us because they're getting beaten by the Irish teams now, yeah. which is pathetic. It is pathetic. Like, and, <laughs> and they're all struggling now. So extra losing half their team at the end yeah. of the season. Yeah, the, uh, Jack Knowles, we were saying that Jack Knowles has gone to La Rochelle. Uh, one of the Simmons has gone Both to Montpellier. Another one gone yeah. to Bereave. Um, so yeah, they're going to be a team disbanded, and I think that was kind of the talk yeah. against um, Stormers that they want to really go. I suppose for once a better description, balls out to really give this yeah. competition a go before the the team is no longer as it exists. But yeah, they're orchestrators, the English clubs of their own downfall at the exactly, moment. Yeah. And the other thing is, like we obviously had Jimmy on the show. Jimmy would have played GA. We're not. We've kind of as well. I think Glenstra have you know, we're a lot more talent ID now than just these really orthodox, you know, rugby bases and rugby mm. communities. Now we're, we're looking at the overall athletes. I think rugby itself is a much more attractive sport here. It's probably one of the number ones now in the country, which is saying a lot. So it swings and roundabouts. And we've just, I think, yeah, I think overall, even the Connacht and Munster are coming up. We're just doing well with how we're developing our players and then only bringing in who we need to experience wise, which we've again said that that, that also helps that there's, more experienced players to help younger players along but it's it's younger Irish players being developed mm. rather than bringing in these big names to kind of yeah it, which stunts the yeah. growth of the only big names it. really that have come over to Irish shores would be like the Doug Howlett's went in but he went at the end of his career yeah. Rocky Elsom came in and you go further than that Jim Williams was there yeah. there's these marquee players that come Every in now and then. but there's just to go in around like a whole team of young Irish lads to bring them up well, we yeah. were saying this for yeah. air so Nasiwa say if you look at the Nasiwa back Nasiwa's another one yeah. yeah Doug Howlett down with the likes of Keith there Farley did at Linster as well yeah so there's only been a couple of them where these English clubs just bring in a whole flock of fellas pay them all the money they can and now they're after blowing budget and they're going to lose half their squad yeah. so. that's why their national team is doing so bad at poorly yeah. as well so it's, it's having a knock on effect across the yeah. board and another point I'd like to make before <laughs> like, and people need to realise that me and Jason are Munster supporters like, and we're supporting Leinster here so this yeah. is just more rugby this, opinion this is tough like. for us this is, this is, yeah, this is genuine yeah. as in like we're actually being realists like, yeah. we don't want to support and, blue is your colour <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean so. <laughs> the other point I want to make is that Ireland's uh, population is just over 5 million and yeah. I think what England or the, is yeah. it's tens of millions I don't know what, exactly what it is but I know there's like 9 million in London alone so like London has more people to choose from than Ireland's Ireland. whole country do you know what I mean? So, like, their playing population is yeah. so much bigger than ours. It's our number four sport here, yeah. so let's remember that. And it's not it's even our national sport. Like. Yeah, it's number four. <laughs> yeah. It's literally number four. It's like, well, like, Harlan is first, and you've got soccer, then probably football and rugby. Yeah. Oh, let's bring up Limerick one, the league, lads. Now, there you go. There's yeah. a bit of rare <laughs> Look, you can, yeah. you can win it. You can, I know we're rugby, it's a rugby show, like, you can win all your Heineken Cups, like, but we'll just keep winning all Ireland. It's like, for fun. And I don't so actually see him being beaten in this we're year's championship. We're just another Ireland for fun, so it's fine. The Limerick lads yeah, are freaks. The Limerick, Limerick lads are fine. Maybe actually they could uh, go to Munster and see. Hey, exactly. yeah, 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 that yeah, Limerick yeah. Carling team might as well be a pressure team the way they play. Like so, they are. They're incredible. Um, so yeah, everyone stop complaining about Leinster. They're just getting the fruits of their labour now, and Correct. they deserve it. And hopefully they can go the whole way. I feel the Leinster Toulouse 
game is the final. Yeah, Whoever wins so, that's so. going to win overall. Even though La Rochelle are good. Ron O'Gara would say a few things about La that. La Rochelle are good. And we will speak about them a little bit, but we just want to touch on this Toulouse game. Uh, Toulouse beat the Sharks 54-20 in Toulouse. It's a beautiful day in France. Anton Dupont with five tries, as we mentioned. Ugh. But like Thomas Ramos had a great game. Entomac had a great game. Um, I presume you watched it, guys. Wasn't it? Sharks, I think, just struggled with the travel, maybe. And the, the time yeah. off where the lads came off the back of the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, if you look at the scoreline, yeah, it didn't really reflect it. So I finished 54-20. Uh, like, they were well in it. Well, not well in it, but they were in the game up until about maybe 60, 60 65. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of more the last 15, 20 minutes where... Toulouse just went and ran right. I think, was it, as I said, it could have been the travel. It could have been a fact that they're not used to this competition. They don't mm-hmm. realise it's an 80-minute comp- game. Like You really have to play the full 80 minutes in this competition to get anywhere to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, as I said, they're, it's their first Champions Cup. They had the travel. They're playing against the five-time champions. You have to remember that as well. You weren't playing against just a run-of-the-mill team. You're playing against Antoine Dupont and Roman Entomac and, and Thomas Ramos and, you know. You're playing against the spine of the French team. Right? Yeah, yeah, big time, yeah. 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 And it's away. And they did... In France, yeah, as well, like, so. Yeah, exactly. And they, they weren't missing their players. They had their Khaleesi's, they had Le Canio mm. Am, they had Manpimpi. They had all their top lads playing. Just Toulouse just showed their their power in the yeah. orb, didn't they? And kind of taught Sharks a lesson, being like, if you want to go far in this competition, this is what happens. Oh, they played, like... Like their Jouet, Jouet. Like yeah. they were offloading their support lines when they got turnover. Like Pimpy, he did some good things and then he just had two poor turnovers where Toulouse absolutely lettered them. Like mm. it, they just moved the ball over to the wing and um, it went out to Metalia who was knocked, well, I thought knocked out and back Malia, on, scored yeah. two tries. Um, Malia, sorry. And then, yeah, just uh, Dupont, Entomac Dupont. Uh, and then to Ramos who scored 29 points five conversions three penalties two tries like it was just like oh yeah just nice day wasn't he me. top scorer in the Six Nations well, wasn't he point scorer yeah. like, so he just scores points for fun yeah, but it helps when you're the kicker like in fairness it helps when you're the oh, kicker but he scores tries as well and yeah. everything, like, but I think like that Sharks game as well looking at the Sharks so we, we saw it against Munster I mean like on paper that Sharks side should be incredible but when you watch them play I don't know if it's the way they're coached it's their game plan they're not that good a side. Like, I mean, that's why I was so annoyed at the Munster game. Because on paper, you'd be like, we're going to get annihilated. It's on mm-hmm. South Africa. They weren't that good against Munster. And Munster still lost, which shows you how bad Munster were. Yeah. But like that Shark side, like you're playing against an, an elite Toulouse side. Because I saw a lot of complaints over the weekend from South African supporters. Like I know we have a lot, a lot of South African fans following the show. But, you know, that Toulouse side was playing at their very best. That Shark side can play a lot better. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just because they have all, just because they're littered with Springboks, mm. they, they don't seem to play like anything like the way they play for South Africa than they play for the Sharks. Because they were the same in the URC last year. The Stormers are much better than them. Whereas on paper, the Sharks should be animals. Yep. Should be mad. They should be killing everyone with their paper. Like, sure, so they have South African front row then. I thought Khaleesi played well. He he was always lively. Do you know, he's always involved. Um, Lucanio Am was kind of quiet. A couple of moments. He, he had, that, he had that pass for that he, try. Yeah. But it was absolutely like, a, this is why he's Lucanio yeah. Am. And Chamberlain, have I got that right? The fullback has only kind of been starting and mm. he played well when he got on the ball. But again, like Ramos is kicking as well into the corners. Like some of the kicks were just really put the, the Sharks back and they just poor turnovers at poor times. And I know they'll they'll say about the travel, but sure, you're always going to have a weak turnaround. Everyone had the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, do you know, they were just, yeah, they were just out of sorts and to still be in with a chance at 65 minutes and then they just switched off. Like yeah, they just so they're going to have to adapt to this competition. Like, I mean, Greg, you would know more than anything like the difference that we always say with Munster, the way Munster play in the URC and then the way they step up over the years in the Cup. 
completely and the way you have to switch on it's like going mm. from from uh, uh, say a Champions Cup to test level going from URC to Champions Cup is the same gap yeah. and like we had even Darren and stuff on the show a few times and asking him like what's the difference and it is that much of a jump yeah it is so it'll course. take them time to get used to that like yeah. that's yeah. elite level Big European Champions Cup of course well the Sharks <laughs> in fairness they have a new coach in Neil Powell just this yeah. season as well so he's obviously trying to same as like Roundtree coming into Munster he's yeah. just trying to build his ethos and stuff but he's yeah. to get to a quarter final against Toulouse and they didn't perform too badly but uh I think the, the South Africans are here to stay in the European Cup and they'll start performing for the next few years. And what do we think about the Juan Cruz Malia incident when he Malia, got sorry, yeah. yeah where he got knocked out clearly got knocked out by Mampimpi's head like, yeah. all, unintentional but mm-hmm. like Aaron goes up in the air he's he's flat in the ground which is a clear concussion goes yeah, off yeah. and then he comes back on now he played really well Emily came back on it's scored an unreal try but what yeah. do we think of that that him, he's been allowed back on the pitch. Yeah, we've seen that before. We've seen it happen, like with a few incidents, like you know, happened with Nick White and stuff. Like in these, we keep being told that if an incident like that happens, that there's an independent doctor there that can overrule everything and just gets him off the pitch. He doesn't mm. come back on. So obviously, in that situation, an independent doctor, if there was an independent doctor there and they saw that footage, he wouldn't have been allowed back on. So mm. obviously, their own doctor, who's always going to let their player back on because they're playing. Do you know what I mean? That's why that decision has to be taken away from Toulouse. It has to be taken away. There has to be something independent there. So there must not be. Yeah. So I thought if they got knocked out, it was automatic HIA and removed. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. How did you get back on here now? Yeah. Because to me, if you're knocked off, that's the new rule that you just come off altogether and you're just it's HIA, yeah, you're what not I thought back the on. Was as well, yeah. Um so I was very surprised at that because yeah, he Mapimpy, the way he turned and he absolutely covered him because he got him in just on the chin. Like mm. it was like a full out punch. So and then he nearly got taken out for his second try. Um the shark centre came mm. out of nowhere with a shoulder charge, which it, it all kicked off then, understandably. So he played well. He didn't seem to have any ill effects, but, you know, we know it takes 24 to 48 yeah, hours. So, so say it takes time. It like, and it's just the uh, repeated blows. And what they say as well is, like, the guys are much more in trouble and it's much more dangerous. If you take a big bang and then you get up and you get that repeated, that second or mm-hmm. third blow, so you might seem fine. And, like, we only had an incident there, another announcement there last week was um, Daffa James, Played for oh, yeah. Wales in the British Irish Lions. He's 43, Pat, or something, is it? Early onset dementia. Jeez. There's another guy who's got, he's gone in with that case like against World He's going to go up against World Rugby and the WRU and someone else. But uh, there's 130 ex-pros now or something like that that are suing World Rugby and the unions and stuff like over incidents Jeez. in the past. Like So obviously we can't rectify that, but we can learn from it. And hence why we should have, he should have mm. taken come back onto the pitch. No. It's just, he was clearly knocked out. And I do feel, Lindsay, that you're saying there, that the ruling is if there's a clear knock to the head or a like, suspected concussion. When or, they go unconscious. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. You're gone. You're gone from yeah. the pitch. And I don't see why they can't just bring off a guy that's sitting on the bench that's fresh as daisies and protect Malia's brain. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's such a bigger issue. I know he came, he probably went in, completed the HIA and came back on and he, he did yeah. play really well, but that doesn't matter. There's obviously damage to his brain. He was knocked out on the pitch. Absolutely. So I just don't understand why they're, like, why they're pushing these players' bodies. Because um, he's obviously, got, and you know from playing, he's obviously going to want to come go back, back on. on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just thought, I didn't really like the look of that either. Like the fact no. that he was clearly knocked out and he went back on the pitch. So hopefully there's a bit more investigation goes, goes into that afterwards. Um, but moving on to the next game Exeter Chiefs played really really well at home they, they won 42-17 against the Stormers but the Stormers didn't really show up did oh they? god they were poor I was disappointed <laughs> with them 
you know, they've like again, they've some they'd Lebok, they've kit they'd kits off, they'd just uh Willemse. Willemse. Willemse actually had a poor game. He had a poor first half. They yeah. they absolutely tormented him with kicks into the corner and he got one which is not he doesn't like when he's turned, you know, so they, they, they turned him so many times any time they could extra, so they'd done their homework on him and he just yeah, he had some poor choices. Mm. He got a try himself. Um Sanatla was there, was quiet. Like mm. I just thought they were really, really out of sorts now. I thought at least the, the shark showed up and gave Toulouse a bit of a game and it was a really good contest, really good spectacle up to the sixty fifth minute. But yes, Tormer's just nah. I feel like it must be something to do with the travel, like do you know what I mean? Coming all the way up from South Africa. And I know the time difference isn't too bad, but Sharks kind of underperformed a little bit. Stormers definitely underperformed. And they just seemed to lack energy. Mm. They, they seemed like the occasion just kind of got the most from. Whereas that was down in South Africa. Or all season they've been playing in South Africa. Mm. They play incredible every single week, week in, week out. And teams go down there and they can't perform against them. So mm. do you think, Jason, that the travel is just a bit too much for them at that level of the European maybe, Cup? Yeah, maybe. But I think it's just, I think there's a number of factors there. I think like you have to look at the fact that, okay, it's your first time entering Europe. As we said, it's a different level of competition. You're going to have to adapt to its elite level. Your first time playing against the English teams, your first time playing against the French teams. So it's going to be different. You mm-hmm. have to learn to adapt mm. to that. The travel, of course, is going to be something they're going to have to adapt to. But they knew what they were getting into when they came, when they signed up for this competition when they signed up for the URC yep. and they have come over and won big games and travel yeah. over with, with in shorter time frames in the URC so yeah. that's going to come in time they're going to adapt to that we, like we've seen it's tough for the like the first season of the URC you couldn't win a game no. down in South Africa to save your life <laughs> so the other teams found it the same way like and that's, this that's, year yeah. now it's not as much this year there's actually getting more there's more wins going out of South Africa and we're hoping Munster might get a couple in the next few weeks as well to us there. so that's going to take time as well but so do you know what I mean like there's no point in like Mm-hmm. Making an excuse about it, Do you know, yeah. twenty-eight nil down after how many minutes? The first, if anything, like you should be awake for the first half an hour. Maybe the travel might kick in the second half, but to, no, be, to be to start so poorly. Yes, and even you like know. it said it like extra had the line out to the back, and then it went in through Woodburn through a gap. I think it was, and it was just they were picking them apart. They'd really done their homework. Jack Knowles even picked at the base of scrum and went over. I was like, <laughs> right, if the wing is doing that to you, like yeah. you're really, really out of sorts. So. They just seemed like second best, didn't they? Just really lethargic. And um, in the pre-match, it was like, I think as far as I know, they just got on a plane and just had a recovery week. So it wasn't like, I mean, you've trained all at this part of the season. There is nothing you can do within a week anyway to just all of a sudden get yourself ready. You just need to recover. And these are full-time professionals that have had a whole season, you know, realistically behind them. So to me, it's just like, get your rest, get your thing, maybe a sharp captain's run, few walkthroughs and fine-tune set piece or whatever you need to do. Um, you've done your homework and picked apart Exeter. It didn't even look like they did their homework on Exeter. Mm. It's just like, oh, we'll just show up and play. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the South African teams will learn a lot that you're right, it is test match rugby and mm. you just have to be up, increase your game at different levels. So each opposition, you're going to have to pick apart and have a different game plan. Yeah. It's not like the URC that you can rely on your basic no. you know, individual powers. Um, so I think they will learn a lot and I think look for me I think travel's out the window because you have a whole season it's just yeah. go, any away game is difficult so look 100%. all four home teams won well, that's even Leicester yeah. only had to fly an hour over to Dublin like, and it's still it's a struggle for them I was going to say the home advantage is just a massive 100%. mentally especially in the European level like, but it just also seemed 
the home teams had done their homework. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that it moves on to the next game, La Rochelle versus Saracens. Like the amount of turnovers La Rochelle got against Saracens yep. was hilarious. Like it was How like many turnovers Bodia got. And then Bodia got most. <laughs> he got about ninety percent of them. Yeah. Bodia, I think, at least had four himself. Like which is and Will Skelton had a couple. Yeah. And it's just like La Rochelle and Raj obviously identified that that's a place they can get them where. How, what, what do you think of that? Did, do you think Saracens just hadn't done their homework or they struggled with the travel again down to France? It was a hot day down in La Rochelle. I think it was a hot day, but I mean, if you go through Sari's experience and, and their previous history in the competition, like mm. you still have the Owen Farrells, the Atojes, the Vunapolas, um, you know, and that's just to name but a few. So I just think, no, I think Raj is a different gravy. I think him as a 10 has implemented that into his coaching game plan where he will pick apart every opposition. He did it to Leinster last year. They mm. made like Leinster look mediocre. And that was, we spoke about in the show, my one worry was what Raj would do psychologically to Leinster. And he, he does that to every competition. And even in his post-match, he said, no, this wasn't a quarterfinal. Mm. Every knockout stage, every match in the, in the European competition is a final. And I think they just took it a little bit more serious. Like even... I was saying to you before we started, like even in contact, La Rochelle was just, they just kept their leg drives. They just wanted it more and they just yeah. celebrated all the little wins. And I just think Sarri's relied on getting back into competition. You know, they're back where they were after being punished with all their... Rightfully so. Yep, indiscretions. So I just think, yeah, um, I just think it also probably epitomised, unfortunately, where the English teams and the where they're at as well. I just think a lot, a lot of credit to Ron Nogara there as well. Like, I mean, if you watch, like um, there was a 10 minute period in that second half, I swear to God, the La Rochelle must have made five reads in the in space with the mm-hmm. and every single one of those reads was a Saracens player getting smashed in open play. Like they, they were just, you know, they were reading them like a book, yep. and like that comes down to how drilled they are. Like, and then the fact that, like, I mean, we we went on about Botia, like, but like, there's a reason why they call him the Demolition Man. That's his nickname, right? This guy plays seven centre or wing. And he was just <laughs> an absolute freak of nature in that game. Yeah. And even Kerr Barlow as well was absolutely class. Yeah, he was. was you were saying there as well that apparently he's um, he's eligible for Australia now because yeah. he stood down for three years from the All Blacks. I'd be if I was Eddie Jones, I'd be calling him after that that game weekend anyway. Yeah, for do you sure. know what I mean? But uh, it does. It, go, it goes back to O'Gara and it goes back to like it wasn't just that the players outperformed. They they were he, they were beaten tactically as yes, well. Yes, they were. They were massively beaten tactically. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And Roger's done it a couple of times now. He's done it to Leinster, as you said. But to pick apart Saracens like that, mm. we're not talking about a low level team here. Saracens are huge, and they just hadn't turned up, and they had all their boys playing, all their top lads yeah. playing. So, do this you is why think, I'm surprised that you said that to whoever wins the. That's what I was going to yeah. ask. Do you think if La Rochelle get <sighs> through the semi final and it's a Leinster La Rochelle final again, do you think? that La Rochelle would just have that mental edge over Leinster? Because I know the Leinster lads have in the back of their heads that they lost to La Rochelle. No, I think it will bring something different because I think that that's a good point with Saris. I think they did just show up and every team has their idiosyncrasies. But when you go into European competition knockout, you have to think ahead of the game. And if I was Stuart Lancaster and Leo Cullen, I'd be thinking, right, obviously Toulouse now, don't overlook them. You know, but they will have to look at Toulouse and say, right, where's their weakness? Mm. Where, what are our weaknesses that they're going to identify? And now we have to give something different. And that's where the difference is with from great to elite teams. And mm. that's the difference is the psychological and the, the tactical difference. Um, so I see them doing it with Toulouse because they're going to have to. They're going to have to negate the Entomax, the Dupont's, the Ramos's, the Flamands, like all of those. Um, but I think if we're looking ahead, hopefully not prematurely, but to the likes of La Rochelle, 
it will go down to mind games with the coaches, I think, and then mm. the players implementing the game plans. It just shows at the top level that the coaching staff really does matter. Exactly. Doesn't it? That's why Leinster will miss, I think they don't really realise yet they're going to miss Lancaster big time next oh, year. Oh, hugely. Yeah. They're going to miss him a lot. Like, because even like we were on about earlier on, like in, in terms of how physical and how fit Leinster are, like the reason why and how well drilled their moves are so perfect they are, his training sessions, like that's why they have this thing called Stews Days. Mm. They're supposed Jesus. to be ridiculous. Like they, they play, they train, what they do is, oh, is there something missing? They, yeah, but they actually train at a higher level than they, than they play in matches. So they, if, if they play a match at 100%, they purposely train at 115, 120% so that when they get to a match, it's easy. So yeah. it feels like it's, a match feels like training and training feels like a match. Mm. Do you did you do I mean? that at sevens? <laughs> yeah, we did a bit of it. We like, did yeah, a bit as well. So, where the ball just keeps coming. There's like three teams and you just you know, don't get a break. Like It's always moving, which is incredible. And it does because it makes a match easier because yeah. that's not going to happen in a match. So you're, if you're prepared and ready to do that, then all of a sudden you're like you're playing a match in slow motion mm. and you can read the game much easier. So that's how your brain switches yeah. on. F- physically and mentally you get to that level you switch on. Yeah. Can I make a point? We did that, right, just building up to the World Cup that we didn't yeah. make. But we were training at 120%, right? So it was when we got to games. But you know what was funny? If you're still not looking after the basics. <laughs> so, you know, if you've no contact. Right. So we were playing all the three teams in the Fiji Church, which was lovely. And I loved I loved broken play and it was great and you looked and you felt great. But sometimes then when we went into the likes of Spain and Italy, who charged our breakdown, right. we were... We weren't looking then after because we're, we're waiting thinking, oh, this ball is going to come real yeah. quick. And then we're like, right, so it doesn't really matter if you're training 120% unless you're looking after... The basics first. Exactly. I think that's why they have the likes of, they have their Colin there who's the real measured figure, I'm saying, who kind of stands mm-hmm. over make sure that Fogarty is an excellent coach. Um, they've got Sean McBride in there, McBride in there, the same as well, you know, yeah. really kind of old school kind of like measured guy who I'd say, he looks after mm-hmm. the basics. Mm-hmm. Lancaster does the kind of flashy stuff and gets them through the fitness and there's a lovely balance there. Of everything that's going on, so yeah. I think that's 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 key for them. At the I'd say they're like a pie chart. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see you like, after? who are they going to get like to, to replace Lancaster? Are you going to look for a big name? Is there another Irish coach that's there? Are they going to? Yeah, you know they had Kieran Reid over there a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, Kieran Reid was in and around training and having a look. I don't know why. Could have been him because he's probably looking to get into coaching. I think. Interesting um, one. So maybe he's he's on the the short list going to Leinster and, and uh, substitute for Lancaster, but. That's not going to happen for a few mm. weeks, guys, because we still have the European Cup and URC ahead of us. And also, the Women's Six Nations ahead of us. Yes. So we're playing Italy this weekend away in Parma, you were saying? Yes. How do we think that's Quarter shaping five. up? five. Do you know what? It's hard to know. Uh, so Italy obviously had really good performance against France in the opening nation, but you never want to play France and England back-to-back within a week. So they obviously got absolutely whopped. Um, England put 60-plus points in them. However, I think it was Italy's first try since about two years and two they, like they've never scored a try against England in the last two years anyway if not two years plus um, so they're really experienced they're really going to come they're at home we're never really good when we go to Italy they have the likes of Jada Franco is back so she plays open side she's world class um, Beatrice Rigoni is uh, she plays 12 so she's just really experienced um, they've Duca in the second row. They've a couple of experience, so they've a couple of really big names that have been there for a long time. Um, they are a bit like their own men's national team. When they get in open play, they can play some really big, expansive rugby. So I think what I'd like to see from Ireland is the physicality they brought. Even though, look, they did a lot of missed tackles against France, which you can understand when because France, when they got into open play, it was just so hard. Just kept moving the ball really well. Yeah. But if they can kind of slow the ball down. 
keep possession. I think set piece is going to be key, as we always say, but I think also just bringing that physicality and kind of smothering the big players of Italy and really taking the game to them, I think it could be a... I think it's going to be our most competitive game other than Scotland because I think we really need a result this weekend and a performance going into England next week. Um, so, yeah, I think right now Italy will be favourites going in. They were tipped to go third prior to the competition starting. Yeah, really? between them and Wales. Yeah, they've retained a lot of players from the World Cup and they actually had a really good World Cup uh, over there. They've also gone professional a lot sooner than we do okay. and they have a couple of players playing the Premiership. So if they've everyone available... Um, Italy are probably just slight favourites going in because they're in, at home but look the girls have had a week off you know they had a tough two weeks in the to open up the competition and we hope they can just bring the positives a little bit more consistently mm. for this round When you chatting to any of the girls how are they feeling in camp? They're feeling good I think they, they took the week off they were back in yesterday I think they fly tomorrow afternoon to Italy um, obviously Parma brings back some um, PTSD for some of us because obviously that was the location where we Failed to, to make the World Cup. But look, it'd be a nice way to eradicate some demons on a lot of levels for this team. And I think a young team after a break and hopefully just some time away just to recharge the batteries and get some confidence, I would hope. Um, but yeah, I just hope this is going to be our, hopefully our best performance. Over. I know, because we could really do it a win for the girls against Italy because they've England coming the following week, right? Oh God, from Musgrave home, Park. Yeah. Which obviously England are top class. like So hopefully now just focus on this week, get a win away against Italy and we move forward from there. Yeah, we just said it's incremental yeah. changes. So we want to see all the positives from, not, not too many from the Wales, but definitely from France we saw a lot more positives. Yeah. So we can bring that in now for a full 80 minutes. Um, look, we want a competitive one. As I said, it's just going to be incremental um changes and, and positives for this competition going forward. Yeah, for sure. So that's the look. Best of luck to the girls this weekend. Now, we want to talk about the red card uh, scenario in world rugby at the moment. There was a big incident down in Super Rugby where Angus Blight had a headshot on Brumby's winger Corey Toole. If you haven't seen it, guys, it is ridiculous. <laughs> I presume Angus didn't mean it, but it just caught him and Corey Toole was stumbling around, didn't know where he was. And then he only got a yellow card. But the new rule down in Super Rugby is that, um, you can correct me on this, Jason, is that the ref can give a yellow card, but it's under review. And yeah. then the TMO then has a look at the incident yeah. and it can be increased to a red card. Is yeah. that right? They have, 20, they have 20 minutes to review it. So there's, there's ways you can look at that. So if you look at the incident, you'll see it. We have it up on Rugby Joe and it's on our Instagram and our TikTok. The clip got like 3 million views in a day because like, it was so insane. So, I mean, he, he comes in at a million miles an hour. He's late. He's upright. And it's head on head. Like, it's almost like a diving headbutt. And, like, the... the the impact on Corey Tulu, you see him, he gets up like he actually has stanky leg yep. when he gets up, his leg is <laughs> like that. He's so out of it because that's yeah. how hard he hit him. Like, and he gets up right, and tries to play on like, and everyone's like, sit down, sit down, sit down. But like, he's after getting his, the signing has been, has been done already for it and uh, he got a six week, six game ban reduced down to three. Mm. Why the reduction? Like, I don't know. Like to be honest, which is I said, like it's the same as the whole disciplinary. These things in World Rugby, you go into um, signings. I'm sure you've been in a few Lindsay. Right? <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, you know what? It's fun it's fact on this Tuesday morning. I actually have not. No, I've, even, I've even been in one myself. But if you basically, I think there's certain things like if you apologise, you get time off. If you 
um, agree to go to like a tackle school course. You oh, get time off. It's nonsense. It's, it's actually nonsense. Like if you, you buy me an ice cream. Yeah. After it, yeah. So you can get literally like full bands halved, like yeah. just by saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it," kind of thing. And I, I end up apologizing and doing a tackle course. Yada yada yada. Yeah. So that's oh. why these things get reduced so quickly. Um, so he's only going to miss like what three games three now. Games. It's not like like I, I still I like we like even referee Ben O'Keefe messaged us and Robbie Joe and asked us to just to clarify the rules of over there where it's as I said it's he he, he gave a yellow card mm-hmm. but like first of all I'm sorry like I mean I don't know how he even I think what you're doing there is you're not making the referee make the tough calls that is as clear as day as a red card as you will ever see in rugby but he gives the yellow but what that does then is that allows the who was it again it was the what was it, it was the Brumbies and the Reds wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah. the Reds so that allowed the Reds to have a player on for that extra, well, it took 20 like minutes? 15, 20 minutes yeah. for them to, to decide whether it was upgraded or not. Like, so they guess, I know he's sinbinned, but it takes an extra 10 minutes. So that means it's, it should have been 10 minutes quicker for a guy. Because you can get him on for an extra 10 minutes, that makes mm-hmm. sense. So mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't understand the whole process. I think, I, ho- I, I wouldn't like to see it brought in over here, put it that way. No, because especially when the player that, you know, is um, like Corey's like, he's stumbling. like he And you can hear the referee, Ben O'Keefe, saying, go down on one knee, go down on one knee, go down on one knee. To me, that is clear that this is like, like it is, like, Blythe looks like a ram. Like, as he's coming down after catching the ball, he looks like he just increases speed and he just like, yeah. like butts him in the in the chin. Like, so the fact of the, what the referee can clearly see is a player, like, basically nearly knocked out just on the cusp of being unconscious, like really shook. How it's not a red card now with that mm. contact is is beyond me. Like there's no clearer signs. Like, yeah. And and then them having full complement of players for that twenty minutes for review is kind mm. of a get out. Well, it? no, really? yeah, your man's gone off. Like, but it kind of. I think what you're doing is like the main thing there is you're giving out the wrong message because what you're saying is we're having a look at this and seeing if it's going to be. A, but I, the instinct is, and this is what happened. Like, and what you're going to see when he's get cut to social media and stuff is he brandishes a yellow card for that t- challenge. Even though there it's is clear. looking at, and it was upgraded to a red. If a kid is watching that or if someone has seen that in passing and they see this guy was able to do this and get a yellow card to get away with it. So it just gives off the wrong message straight away. Yes. So like it's either a yellow or red and you have to put that decision on the referee. And like, yeah. it's like that, I, I, we saw like the, the likes of the Freddie Stewart one and stuff. Like if you were to go back and look at that, like there is an argument there to say whether it was yellow or red. There really yeah. was, and which is why he's probably got rescinded. From Reddy, that, Freddie yeah, Stewart and Freddie Stewart the, Stewart and England game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but that, that, and like all three of us can agree here. And we've disagreed before on penalties and yellow cards and situations. Isn't that as clear a red card as you're going to see? The Corey Tua one, yeah, yeah. yeah it, is like, it is. It's, I'm sure Angus Blythe didn't intentionally go out to knock out Corey Tua, but he went in with his head, so it's it should be a red card. It is completely reckless, yeah. and it could have been. There could have been more danger in that, but um, I just think that there might be something in it that is taking the pressure off the refs in the moment, okay. who are a bit flustered and might be under pressure from the crowd screaming at them, thirty players screaming at them. No, it is their job to make that decision, of course. but. Does it give him a bit of time to go, okay, there's definitely something wrong here. Put it up to a TMO who can look at the incident directly and then upgrade it to a red card. But maybe, as you said, Jason, with the 20 minutes, mm. that gives them a 10-minute buffer where they're going to have an extra player on the yeah, pitch exactly. while the TMO is still reviewing it. So mm. maybe reduce down the, the TMO intervention to the 10-minute yellow card. You have 10 minutes to get it done or you lose the player or mm. something like that. Well, I think we've enough as, like TMOs and assistant referees to kind of... Like, I, I appreciate the pressure and the crowd and all that, so I would hate to be a referee, but... Yeah, it's a hard job. It is a hard job, but mm. I think we've enough help to say, right, well, here's, say, if we put it on the big screen, do you want a quick look at it to see what, if your initial reaction to the yellow or red is, is enough? And yeah. then, 
if he says, right, I'm going to go yellow, but want review. So his decisions there, to like, I'm unsure, I want to review and take the 10 minutes. Surely there's different choices we can, mm. like, implement to, to just, try just and Just different make ways it. of saving time as yes. well, I think. I think, like, I don't mind, right, if there's a, an incident in the game and it's Ireland playing France in the World Cup quarterfinal and, like, we need to take 10 minutes and pause the game and find out if DuPont is getting a red card or a yellow card or if Hugo Keenan is getting a red card or a yellow card mm -hmm. and we take our time because we can save... We've, we've saved time now massively since we've implemented uh, the, the goal meter, the goal line dropout yep. instead of uh, having to scrum every time it was brought back. Mm. Like there was an incident which I think is someone put, one of the commentators put it on over the weekend. It was the La Rochelle game and uh, they, were, they, got, they got three free kicks from scrums in a row and every single time they got the free kick, what did they do? Because they were dominating them, they went for another scrum. Yep. Now this was like 10, 15 minutes wasted. All you got to do there is just go, when you get a free kick in the scrum, you got to tap it. Yep. You can't go for another scrum again. Yes. Yeah. And you're going to save like 15, 20 minutes in a yeah, game yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's other smarter ways of let's speed the game up. In an incident like that, if you have to go to TMO, let them take all the time they need to get the decision right. Yeah. That's it then. I agree, yeah. Yeah, you're never going to please everyone. You know, some people will be giving out, there's too much time in the TMO. So you like, 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 so you when can't. it's so important, give them the time. Yeah. Let them. Player welfare yeah. has I, to be a Just to save any confusion, I think we're, we might have seemed like we mixed two rules there. There's the what? yellow card review where the TMO can upgrade a yellow to a red and what? then there's another rule where they're trying the 20 minute red card. So you, you have someone, you lose a player for 20 oh, minutes. sorry, sorry, sorry. So we got yeah. to he got he didn't come back on at all. So you lose a player for 20 minutes okay. and then you can bring on a new player but the player that's committed the foul and the red card offence doesn't come back on the pitch. Right, I yeah. Think that, that, so it's two separate rules. So they, so they upgraded to a red before his 10 minutes was up in the bin. Mm. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So that makes sense. So he, they didn't gain, but still, it, I still think it's, I still think it, it should never yeah. went to a review. It should have been a straight red. But this 20-minute red card law, which I've kind of uh, talked about the, the potential of this working in rugby before, but someone's brought up a good point that, say, it's, it's going to be a bit dark like, but they go out and target the top player in the other team and they, yeah. they knock him out and injure him he's gone off the pitch oh I'm, someone basically like just sacrifices themselves mm. to get mm. the red card and then they bring on another player off the pitch so now the other team has asked their best player and you know of someone else on the pitch like it, like coaches could plan that which sounds really dark but they could technically with that rule you have to, so, it's human nature I don't know if to that, get like, an advantage to do that like it's within our yeah, it's nature of the beast there is coaches and teams that will think like go that. out and take him out yeah. Like, yeah, you have to manipulate the game for it's your advantage and that is human the way nature people cheat it's, it's, it's cheating it's, it's, bending it's, it's, it's bending the rules <laughs> is what it is yeah. so like world rugby are trying do you know what I mean they're not sitting back and just saying oh the rules are fine they're trying different things in different competitions so we have to give them props for that and a bit of credit that they're trying to improve the game and get rid of these these red card offences and the high tackles and all that stuff but Lindsay do you think it's going in the right direction and they're trying the right rules like would you have any suggestions or do you think just it's more trial and error as we go forward I think speeding up the game I think that one with the scrums and this is from a front row like I love <laughs> scrums but you want to play a more exciting expansive game rugby as a player and as a product do you know what I mean you want you want to make it more exciting and I think for those rules to speed up the game even the 30 seconds which conversion yeah. and the timer um, you're 50-22s now so there's some really good rules to not be punished and still have a full complement of players now I, I think no if you know to we brought we bring up player welfare and I think it would be a, an area where and I would do the same I would absolutely bend the rules and say right Greg yeah. you're going to pitch that job you're taking red cards red cards simple as that yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the way it goes so 
Um, you don't want to put that on the player. You don't want to as well go, you're a trained professional. You don't want to be kind of lowering yourself to be the target man. Mm. But I can see it. Like it's because it is a game of chess now as well. You know, it's a yeah. tactical war between coaches and, and teams. So that's the only rule I wouldn't like to see come in. But like with bringing in reviews of yellow cards, because obviously we Doris the weekend. I think it was a yellow by definition, but I think he was in between two minds where there's double here or where yeah. to rip the ball. You can see yeah. him kind of. Um, and he's not a player who's dirty like he's is probably just no. so um, yeah I think there's some really good ways of speeding up the game but as regards player welfare and having teams in full complement because they brought in with GA with the black card and all that crap and I just didn't think it worked yeah, yeah I think maybe one yeah, suggestion could be the bans players get for these red card high tackle offences need to be more severe 100%. to completely deter yep. players being like mm-hmm. you could like I don't know, for argument's sake, you miss half a season. Like, yeah. from They're getting doing something that, like, two Angus, or three Blight game yeah. Angus Blight went head kamikaze straight into Corey Tools. All right, you're missing the rest of the season. Do they and, get fined? Um, I don't think they do. I don't think, think they get sure. fined. They, they no. do. The club might get fined and stuff. But we saw the same thing with Farrell before, before the Six Nations, but his one, that was a bad one, and he got like two games and was back in time with the Six Nations. The thing. So it's There's no like, deterrent there, really, is it's there? No, it's not a deterrent. No. Where if I know. Like you're playing, and Jason's after getting banned for six months. I'm like, well, I don't well, no way I'm going risking that. Like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? If they do, that's one way to completely deter it. Um, I feel, but obviously that's going to be tough on the players that do it unintentionally. No, but like, is in like, there's what you're saying there is like you're you're not saying unintentional. You're saying the ones that are black and white red cards yeah. or yeah. really bad challenge and like. They're getting three games where the guy that did it unintentionally is also getting three games. Yeah. But the guys that do it intentionally and it's blatant and you see mm. that it's a either not maybe intentionally is the wrong word because there's no guy who goes out to well I hope I hope not no guy goes, no guy or girl goes out to really really yeah. injure a, a, a fellow player yeah. but a really reckless and stupid challenge like that one. They're guys well, that should be getting. We can take the two examples from the weekend. So that one that we're speaking about with Angus Blyde and Corey yeah. Toole. Yeah. He's made a decision to launch himself with his head at Corey Toole's L- chin. Late, very so late. It's a silly decision. Mm. Whereas like one that's friendly fire was Will Skentel, Will Skelton's one on the weekend. Yes. Where the sub hooker was rocking out and his shoulder happened to hit Will Skelton yes. on the head. That's a bit of friendly fire. Yeah. He, he didn't mean intentionally to knock out Will Skelton. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So like do they then, Lindsay, take these incidents and analyze them with professionals and refs and mm. And to go, okay, that's intentional. You're now getting a serious ban. We won't see you for the rest of the season. And that, that goes out to then like a ripple effect to the rest of the world, being like, okay, lads, you got to watch your tackle height here. Now, 100%. I don't think there's any point in having these reviews and then sending people to tackle school. I mean, there has been players <laughs> who have gone to tackle school like two or three times with bans. You're like, you're not really getting this, are you? No. So I think no. we need to be a bit harder. And like, look, I'm a parent and kids need consistency. Players need consistency because if the parameters are moved all the time, they're just going to expand within the parameters. So keep them nice and close and have these reviews and like be tough. Be tough mm. on those you need to be tough on. And others where it is friendly for, that's it is a game of rugby where yeah. there is physical contact, contact. yeah we can't you can't eradicate everything yeah but like we have to protect those against things that are, are intentional and are going to put players welfare in jeopardy mm. well, at least world rugby are trying and hopefully now over time we, we do get to a set of rules that keeps everyone happy fans players and keeps everyone safe at the end of the day yep um, your see is back uh, this coming weekend Ulster who are in third place are at home to Dragons two points off second place targeting a bonus point win um, I think if they get that bonus point win, they get their home uh, playoff game, don't they? Which would be great for them. Munster and fifth are away to Stormers, so which fun. isn't great. Uh, um, 
a Stormers who just lost, but that might like shake the beast up a little bit and they could probably be a flying form now that they're focusing on the URC, they're not in the European Cup anymore. Mm. So it's going to be a tough game for Munster, isn't it, Jason? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, uh, will, they, will they be defeated and a little bit down after the Champions Cup or will they be fired up? Mm. And, as you said, more focused for URC. But, you know, Munster are going over there knowing that they have to win. So maybe that will... And they're bringing all the big guns. They're bringing all the big guns. So I think, look... No, that's come I on hope now. so. I hope so. We're I going really to be optimistic. Do. I'm up for Munster. I think it's going to be a rejuvenation for the final parts of the season, and Munster are going to get a yeah. win. I don't want to go watch Challenge Cup games next year like I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I know. Like, I hope so too. I actually don't want to listen to you. No offense to, to the cha- no offense to the Challenge Cup. Like I don't want to. Go I want to be optimistic. Okay, no. if, if one team are to do it, to go away, it's Munster. Just pull it together and have an Come unbelievable on, boys. performance. Where's our optimism here? No, I do love them. I do love them. It's just a big right, challenge love for them. Being optimistic, they're two different things. I just hope <laughs> Munster I hope. versus Bath and Breathe next year, like. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so they travel to South Africa for two must-win games. They're down there again to play the Sharks um, the week after. Yeah. So I don't know if they'd stay. Down. They'll probably stay down there. I'm sure they? they will. Ah, yeah, jeez, they, they won't down. be coming home to home yeah. now anyway. Jeez, it's a nice little trip for the lads. No, have yeah. yeah, win it's some rugby while over there. No, lads, please, please. <laughs> yeah. uh, Leinster, obviously, number one um, away to Lions. I presume they'll be sending the second-tier lads who are still some of the best players in the world, like your Ruddocks and... <laughs> The Burns still win. Rob and Russell. Uh, Rob Russell, yeah. who's playing out of his skin as well. Yep. Um, any fear of going away to the Lions, Lindsay? Listen, I don't know. I think well, we're 74 points. We're well, well ahead. I think it's 61 as the next team near us on the URC. So I think this is just a time for us to build on, on the young lads getting experience. So I actually think we went away and had some good results last year mm. with the same kind of philosophy and... I think now just let the boys enjoy it. So I think it's a banana skin, but I actually think we'll come out with some wins. To be and do you think that the next couple of weeks they should just keep playing their the URC guys, the second string guys, and let the European guys rest? Or do you think keep the lads ticking over, the top lads keep the top 15 ticking over? I think it'll depend. If you're looking at like Ty Furlong, right, would have had like his injury, say before the Six Nations, was mm. calf, but it all would have been positional, I would think, you know, back into hamstring into calf. So. Does he need to be managed? Hmm. Ty probably doesn't need game time right now. We need like front row to be blooded. Keen Healy might need some game time. I can't see him going down though because of just probably family and, and the extent of the trip. But um no, I think stick with the, the game plan. I think some some of the I suppose European or more experienced players who were playing with Ireland might need game time, others will need resting. Yeah. You know, so it's probably not a one size fits all. It comes down to like individual players and yeah, the so. like, volume load and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They won't be sending some of the lads away to South Africa, but maybe when they come home well, sure it's two weeks now to the semi final, mm. so I can't see they'll be Mm. Who have they got after Lions? I don't think they're two weeks down there. No, they're not. They're only at the they're back home I think next week. Um and Connacht are also at home next week. Connacht are at home to Cardiff and then they're away to Glasgow the following weekend and they could really do it a home win going over there to Glasgow. But oh. they're they're fighting well, Connacht. They got themselves back up in the mm. sixth into the playoff places. No. Sorry, Connacht. Sorry, Mac. I'm, like, I'm not cheering you on like, because I don't want you to overtake us. So I want, you, I want to give Munster more of a chance so I can't cheer you on at the moment. Not, things are way too desperate at the moment for Munster. So I'll let's away to Bulls two so they've two oh, oh, oh that way then they probably, they're hardly going to fly the boys out for the second week and have them tired and gone over no, I don't, I don't, they're, just I gonna, think, yeah. they're all just going to stay in Dublin I say, to be honest yeah. with you and just be ready and to welcome Toulouse yeah. 
Okay, so Munster away for two weeks to South Africa. Yeah. Leinster away for two weeks to South Africa. Contour. Connor Connor at home. Train together, lads. So might, yeah. so might pick up a few points. Give us a few players as well. Might give us a few players as well, will it? No. <laughs> we're not that kind. <laughs> listen, if any Munster fans listen to the show, will you just comment, comment, and give the boys some love? Oh, no, stop, will you? Please. We haven't given up yet, like, but we just Africa, know it's going to be a tough, to tough shift for boys. <laughs> so let's see how it goes anyway hopefully the boys can get some wins down there but it's yeah. time for our never stop competing moment of the week giving it to me we, and you is it me and you for never stop supporting never stop never stop supporting come on we'll actually go that's a funny one actually we're actually going to give it to Benetton Treviso for reaching the Challenge Cup semi-finals uh, for the first time in their history they beat Cardiff at the weekend but they face Toulon in the semi-finals they were who I, I saw bits of it before I tuned into Toulouse and they were they battered they battered Leon, did Leon didn't they and, and the, the mad thing about it is Leon battered them in the final last year like yeah. it was at that like so I thought it would be much closer than it ended up but, but great yeah. to see Treviso been big reward Treviso for them. in that kind of level of competition yeah. like. big love to them big yeah. love they've had a great season and they played some really good rugby so look Irish coach again you know well what can we say? Look at the Irish and all that. Yeah. Fair play, lads. So that's all for today. That was a great show. Going through the European rugby. Viewers see back this weekend. Hopefully get a few wins. And thanks very much for your time and your expertise as always, guys. Oh, you too. Yeah. Thank you for being our magical host. Isn't he gorgeous? What do we do with it? Oh, will you stop flirting with me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, thank you so much for listening at home. I love it. Thank you so much for listening at home and thank you Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. We'll catch you next week, guys. Joe presents House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.